Is Charlie Taylor the place to be? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ben Carter, and I run Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not going to try it, man. I'm going to try and be part of the. I can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> uh, I direct to the fifth and highlight the fifth and hip hop, which is knowledge. Digging in the dirt, 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 dirt. Digging in the dirt, 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 dirt. Digging in the dirt, 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 dirt. Digging in the dirt. Charlie could have had his own pirate radio station, man. He really could have. He really, really could have. Born beyond, born after his own time. <laughs> yeah, you know, still, still going miles the life. But you know, yeah, I guess uh, in his in his infancy, definitely, uh, definitely older than me. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? And you have 21 seconds to tell us what you've been listening to this week. Oh, jeez. It's going to be it's gonna be <laughs> difficult. I did listen to... Not hate. It's starting now. It's starting now. I did see... Uh, I did see the... the on what, what show was he on when he was rapping that 21 seconds? It, he just fucking pulled oh, it out, um, bro. Graham Norton. Yeah. That was wild. I can't do anything like that. So I'm going to talk about what I listened to because Earl and Alchemist finally put on streaming i don't know how many weeks ago that was now um i don't know but i i intended to listen to the album but i don't know things just got in the way so i'm glad it came to streaming um it's good it's really solid i think alchemist is really going in a lot of different directions with his production these days it's certainly not like covert coop days where i don't know you could kind of it was it was metronomic what he would drop it was very it was incredible but it was very consistent nowadays i feel like he's taking artists in different directions and earl i feel like is someone who can be taken in many different directions um i think he you know charlie and i think he's one of the best modern mcs and this is another like i'm not going to say improvement but it's a little bit more listenable again than sick to me which was more listenable of course than feet of clay so i do think and there was an interview recently where he did say that he was quite overcome by how successful he was early and he didn't seek to destroy it but sought to you know change his uh his content a little bit so that that pressure wasn't so intense and i feel like he's going back in the doris direction maybe we will get doris in five years time doris part two i'd be very interested to see if that happens um nines crop circle three brilliant album great storytelling uh, very very diverse selection of beats and dif- different approaches on here sonically i enjoyed it a lot babyface e dropped the x tape and it is a wild fucking ride lyrically there's some <laughs> mental stuff on here it's fucking amazing i enjoyed it a lot uh rj mr la and dj drama dropped uh, another gangster girls tape dj drama bro and the beats on here are fucking amazing. And that is something that I think he is very, very adept at, you know, especially in the the late 2000s with, with Wayne, with Dedication Series. I think he knows what beats to serve up, where to put them. Um, and, you know, I love DJ Drama just yelling on tracks. And this album, it slaps front to back. El Camino and uh, BSF, that's their first collaboration. They spit on Jesus. Some brilliant guest verses on here. Um, it's pretty much what you'd expect. El Camino is just, you know, keeping time. Very, very adept lyrically. Yeah, sold project. Mary Lattimore dropped Goodbye Hotel Ak- Akada. Ak- Akada. Akada. 
Um, incredible harpist, Mary Lattimore. Fully recommend this. This was a little bit more ambient than I expected, a little bit more... There was quite a lot of drone in it, quite a lot of, I don't know, staticky wall of noise kind of stuff. I really did expect it to just be her playing right at the forefront, but it slips into these real hazy instrumentals and it creates these, I think, pretty beautiful soundscapes. I think it's a brilliant project. It's only six tracks, but it's about 40 minutes. I've gone back to it repeatedly. Um, and it was it was soothing to soothe me after I was listening to Drake's new album, For All The Dogs. So I try every Drake album. Every time Drake drops a new album, I give it a go. Because I do like Drake. I Well, I don't like Drake anymore. I used to like Drake. Scorpion was the last time I really, really liked Drake. I enjoyed more life. I did not like Views at all. I think it's the most boring mainstream album of the 2010s. Nothing was the same, didn't really enjoy. But thank me later. Bro, I grew up on that. That that CD like literally melted in my car. I played it so much. So I don't know. I don't know if I should be expecting anything from him anymore. I feel like I've analyzed it lyrically and listened to it. It's not as like creepy and weird as his previous couple of projects. Um, or he's like, I think her loss was just mad creepy. Honestly, Nevermind wasn't that bad. CLB was creepy as well. So it wasn't as bad as that, but like, it's just pretty much devoid of anything of value actually at all. You know, I've gone through every single lyric. It's boring. It is so boring. It's just Drake whining about the same shit he's whined about his entire career. It's like toxic relationships, pain why did you hurt me so much there's a couple of tracks on there um one paint like a picasso or something see i can't even remember the fucking names of the track that's my favorite track let me find that song because i thought that that was an interesting track and i'll explain why i do think that drake does occasionally have let's see drew, drew a picasso so he's talking in that about um a relationship that went bad and he is just coming to the realization that it went bad because of the other person and there's really no guilt on his part. Again, it's a typical Drake song. I didn't really do anything wrong. It was all you. But this one, I do think there was, I don't know, maybe I just related to it a little bit. Um, and just this like kind of shock of realizing, oh shit, like I, I didn't actually really do anything wrong. What more could I have done? Now, I don't know how true that is of Drake. I don't know if that's an authentic take from him um, that he did not do anything wrong and this other person did. But pretty much the whole album is is in this vein. It's him expressing hurt and pain over past relationships that he still seems very, very caught up on and is mind-numbingly boring. There's nothing here, man. So yeah, I don't understand why people keep saying Drake's the this of he's a lyricist, he's the greatest rap. Like, bro, what are you talking? He's a pop star. He, that's all he is, man. He's just a pop star. And that's okay, but I don't like his music. So, yeah, that's me. That's me, Charlie. What about you? Did you listen to Drake's For All the Dogs this week? Um, no. Sort of, uh, there's as much, there's many things I'd uh, rather do um, than spin that. Um, so, I started with. Uh, Two Ninth Wonder EPs, uh, one with Swank and one with King Draft. Swank and King Draft usually um, do projects together, but this time they were technically separate. Although it's um, very purposefully done in a way where you, uh, you know, are supposed to listen to both EPs back to back to uh, back to back. 
Um, I actually listened to it in the wrong order, apparently. Um, who knew there was an order? But yeah, I listened to it in the wrong order. Um, so Swank Swan is Random as Fuck Part 2, and King Draft Swan is West End Rose. Um, I think I listened to West End Rose first and then Random as Fuck, but you're supposed to listen to Random as Fuck before listening to uh, uh, West End Rose. Um, and you'll quickly gain that in the titling when Random as Fuck ends with Left Eye Part 1. And Western Roads begins with Left Eye Part 2, which is fundamentally the same track. It's fundamentally the same Ninth Wonder beat, um, but it's just done a little bit different in terms of a uh, swank on it and then King Draft on it. Um, and yeah, you know, past that, they're pretty solid EPs. Um, they're both five tracks. Um, you know, Ninth Wonder can't miss on the beats. Um, I like to. Um, Skyfall with uh, um, actually uh, another artist that uh, Ben recommended to me this week, uh, Femdot. And um, yeah, Random as Fuck had uh, C- C- Clico and Cigars, Fatherless was good. Um, so yeah, some good stuff on here. So a uh, shout out to those particular projects. Um, Afro, AFRO, 97 Machine, nice little uh, package of just Afro. Uh, Afro beats, get it? Um, but yeah, uh, and nice beat projects. Um, so a couple of them I was just listening. And I was just like, mm, I could see someone on this or some someone on this. So that was kind of cool. Uh, Fem dots, uh, free samples, volume one and two. Um, I prefer volume one, I think, out of the bunch. But I think volume two has the best uh, track overall, which is "Song to Roll to." I think that's a really good track, just um, to bump in the whip. Um, but Volume 1 has some really good consistencies. Um, Amindi on Hire is really good. I love 2003, NCAA rules. I think um, you get a, re- a lot of, um, you gain a lot of knowledge on just who Femdot is um, just off the EPs alone. Um, so that's a very uh, high value for me. And uh, yeah, the production was pretty solid overall. Can't can not complain. A uh, friend of five, the Otis Mensa comes through. Another EP, Winter Skin. Um, this is probably my favourite um, of piece of work from him um, since maybe Rap Poetics, um, Mum's House Philosopher's first EP from 2018. Uh, got some bangers as well. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, the those project, those two pro- projects in particular, are so much different. So much different from um, his recent two EPs um, in things I should have said uh, a year ago and Winter Skin. The other two, the latter two, are just way more um, dense, especially production-wise. Um, it goes a lot of places, and you know, he's he's much more experimental with these past two projects. And Winter Skin is no different. Um, it, I think it takes a couple of tracks to get in. Um, Winter Skin's a, the title track's a good start, just in terms of um, just I don't know teeing things up. Um, but when it gets to the last few tracks in Flinch, Closer, and Find Me, I think it really just find project really finds its footing for me. Um, love Closer, um, per, uh, personally, Find Me is probably my favorite track out of the bunch and one of my favorite Otis tracks out the Alvis career so far. Um, but yeah, man, really different. Um, continuing to evolve and experiment, and uh, highly respect. And he's doing it all from Germany, um, living the life in Ge- up in Germany. So shouts to him. Uh, Bishop Nauru, Mysteries of Initiation. Um, One of those mysteries in terms of, is it an album or is it an EP? Please let me know. On a weekly fucking basis, I feel like I'm asking this question. Um, But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, eight tracks, 28 minutes, (coughs) EP length um, in my mind. Um, But yeah, it's got some good stuff on there. Um, Really, (laughs) uh, really kind of uh, 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 got this... uh, 
interesting production choices, I guess, um, in terms of just the overall setting it's supposed to uh, it's supposed to give you. Um, and I think he, you know, uh, he creates a he creates a little world um, with the with the with the project itself. So uh, that's pretty solid from him. Uh, Daniel Villarreal, Lados B, um, with also uh, Jeff Parker and uh, Anna Butress. Um, oh, Anna Butters, yeah, Butters with two S's, Anna Butters. Um, so yes, this is drummer Daniel Villarreal with guitarist Jeff Parker, bassist Anna Butters, and um, that's pretty much it. Like that's, that's that's what you got here. You got drums, you got some percussion, you got some guitar, double bass, electric bass, and that's all you got. And uh, it comes out to a really chill, um, little really chill uh, album. A little bit of jazz, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, you know things can be calm. I, I always base a jazz project um, loosely um, in terms of if is the longest track one of the best tracks, and if that is the case, then it's probably going to be a good album. Um, and things can be calm at a whopping eight minutes fifty seconds um, is fits the bill, and uh, it's very solid. And uh, yeah, the whole album's really nice, really nice listen. Um, I'm a fan of you know the likes of Crangbin, which is obviously. Um, a trio of bass, guitar, and drumming. So um, obviously the formula works um, in a lot of ways, and um, yeah, no, no different when it comes to the Villarreal, Parker, and Butters uh, collaboration here. So shout out to them. Uh, Nine's Crop Circle Three um, covered out of nowhere with another one. Jesus Christ, he's popping them out this year uh, with two and three this past year. Um, I think I prefer um, two overall out of the two that dropped this year. Um, just, um, I think via Nice's performance personally, um, there, I, I will say, you know, the features on here, um, there are plenty, Scraps, uh, Max Valentine, Bad Boy Chiller Crew on Toxic was really good, I really like that track, Blade Brown, Tiggs the Author, Mark Morrison, uh, Big Nasty on Max Elliott, really good, Mira May, I miss a Mira May, and, uh, yes, and, and Debbie on the outro, really good uh, outro there, um, but yeah, features, while plenty um, are actually very good and um, do very solid work. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, and like you said, Ben, um, I think the production uh, goes in a lot of places. Um, Toxic, for example, goes very garage with it. Um, and I'm here for that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a good a good little album here. A good little album here. Um, so shout out to Nines continuing to boss it. And uh, lastly, P Money and Whiny. Uh, streets, love, and other stuff. Um, they recently toured um, across the UK, so so no surprise that they've been uh, dropping. They're going to drop this album. Um, Buster Red is has been one of my favorite tracks uh, most recently. Um, it did drop, I think, last year. Um, so if I'm doing track of uh, tracks of this year, I don't know whether I can add it or not because it technically dropped, I think, last year. Um, but if it did, if it didn't, then you know. I've just given you one of my songs for the year, um, but yeah, it's a that's a that's a top tier track that will that just goes so fucking hard um, in my in my mind. It just it just goes super hard. Um, the first track actually is a very fascinating track, um, especially um, oh, Buster Red came out in twenty twenty one. Fuck, that's uh, yeah, that might be a bit illegal on my front to put that on the out of put that on the songs list this year. Um, but yeah, one seventy five um, x one forty is actually a very fascinating track, especially for the. Um, especially for the topic we have for this episode, and I'll um, try and somehow segue into that. But um, 175 and 140, um, obviously connoting uh, grime, the beat, the beats per minute for grime and for drum and bass, 
and uh, it's a very good track. Um, it's very top tier. Um, sorry, I'm not sorry. It's good. Junkyard with Ocean Wisdom. They obviously go hard all the time. Uh, Dead in the Eye. Get Hospitality. One Extra. Jeez, there's so many bangers on here. But there's also some kind of um, low-key ones as well, especially in uh, P Money uh, lyrically. Um, I think he changes up the subject matter from usual stuff. Um, like Buster Reds, which is um, for probably the most um, uh, obvious track in terms of the vibes. Um, it's literally just drum and bass, and P Money just rapping about uh, being <laughs> being a being a dealer on the road and uh, dodging police, and it's uh, very good. And his someone told me um, a friend told me a friend from uni told me a few years ago that he was just like he was just gassing up P Money um, for like half an hour when we were talking about music and. Uh, it just keeps ringing in my ears, man. Just keeps ringing in my ears. Whenever I hear P Money, I just hear his voice going like, "Yo, P Money is so cold. So he's, he's stupid cold." And I'm just like, "Yeah." Every time I listen to P Money, I'm just like, "Yep, he was right. He, he, he was correct. He was very, very correct." Um, so yeah, man. If you like drum and bass, uh, if you like P Money, there you go. You got a perfect mix right there. Speaking of which, um, we get into um, our topic for this episode. Continuing our UK BHM series. Uh, for the month of October, with the one and only So Solid Crew. So I'd like to preface this with a little bit of history um, on just uh, Garage and this relationship with the likes of Drum and Bass and uh, other other UK notables. Um, so for those that don't know Garage, or UKG as it's called, so UK Garage obviously, um, is basically just a you know, kind of incorporates dance pop, R&B in a bit in a way, and uh, Jungle. Jungle being its most closest, um, I guess, relative. Um, jungle music was a very hardcore <laughs> um, mixture of, uh, obviously, breakbeat, rapid breakbeats, um, percussion loops, um, samples, um, but also vocal samples in dub, reggae, and dancehall. And also hip hop and funk in some ways as well, um, but mostly the noble ones, reggae, dancehall, and uh, yeah, and and the, and the Caribbean like. Um, but yeah, Garage came out of those, right? And it kind of took a didn't actually take too long for Garage to really just um, blow up, and then suddenly just fall <laughs> off the face of the earth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it came off of the back of Jungle, and then you have stuff like Speed Garage or Two Step, which are just kind of, um, you know, just ways of referencing it. Um, but you know, you have, uh, and then you have got MCs in it, and that's what I was talking about when um, I kind of started off the episode with talking like this, because a lot of Garage people talk like this, and it's it's super iconic. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even lie to you. It's fucking iconic. I love it to death. It's the best. It's it's the fucking best when they talk when people talk like this. It's it's fucking great. Um, especially on a track, you know, it just goes super hard. Um, but yeah, man, um, in the garage really came about, um, I think into prominence in the late nineties and, um, you know, kind of dipped off after the, I would say after like, you know, 2001, 2002, I guess, um, you know, this has, there have, there've been a few revivals over the years, you know, oh seven, uh, sometimes a couple of tracks here and there in the 2010s, you know, uh, H. Tracy's Ladbroke Grove is a good example um, from a few years ago. Um, Craig David, who we obviously talked about a few episodes ago when the bass line drops, uh, that was really good. Chasing States had done a few. 
Uh, but yeah, you know, it's Garage has always kind of been in the through line of UK music, especially UK black music over the years. Um, and has, while it hasn't been up to the levels of what it was in uh, the, well, especially the year 2000 and 2001, which had a ton of fucking hits. Um, I'm just reading off the Wikipedia here. Um, obviously, Fill Me In, Craig David, like we talked about. Um, Arthur Dodger had three tracks in the top 10. Um, as top 10 hits, <clears throat> including Moving Too Fast, which is an absolute classic. Sweet Female Attitudes, Flowers, Banger, uh, DJ Luck and MC Neats, uh, Master Blaster 2000, Great Track, Architects, Body Groove. Uh, in 2001, uh, obviously, 21 Seconds, which we'll get to. Daniel Beddingfield, we've got to get through this. Uh, fucking Mystique even had a even had a couple. Um, uh, uh, all because of a Sunship who did uh, some uh, mixes of uh, All I Want, uh, Why, One Night Stand, Awful Dodger did another track in Twenty Four Seven that popped off. Um, and also Solid Solid Crew again. Um, but yeah, man. Obviously, you know, Grime comes into it as well. Um, around especially around that time, you know, with the likes of DC Rascal, Wiley, etc. But this was it. This was it in the in the mid in the early two thousands, in the infancy of the two thousands. It was it was garage. It was literally garage, and you know, jungle took kind of like a back back seat. Drum and bass came in for the white people, um, and then grime obviously came into fruition. And you know, if you've followed our you know uh, storylines overall story arcs of the UK BHM series that we've done over the past three-ish years, three, four years, um, you know, when you get, this is where, you know, this is when, you know, Kano comes in to do certain tracks and, and uh, you know, JME comes in to do certain tracks and when when you hear those sounds, you know, they're very eerily similar to something like either Jungle or Garage and, you know, Garage um, did a lot to, I think, you know, bring a more diverse audience um, compared to something like Jungle, where Jungle was, you know, purely for the ravers and for the people that were just, you know, on MDMA and needed something as going as fast as their fucking heartbeat. Um, but, you know, Garage slowed it down a bit, took it down to like 140, and, you know, you get some two-stepping going on, and you can get the, you know, you can, you can catch girls with Garage. Like, you can't do that with Jungle. <laughs> You can't. You just can't. You can't. You can't have. You, you just can't. You just can't be doing that uh, juggle uh, for the ravers. Uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe you are. Maybe maybe you're built like that when you're high on e. Uh, maybe you can just pull the girls you want uh, by spinning some juggle. Who knows? Um, I'm, <laughs> it's not my environment. But uh, you know, garage brought out the brought out the diversity. Brought out the ladies, and you know, and and you know the the black British music scene is all the more better for the likes of garage. Um, so with that said, we are getting into um, So Solid Crew, which are the one of the biggest beneficiaries of Garage um, over over that period of time, especially in the peak of it. Um, so yeah, Ben, with that said, take it away. Well, yeah, man, they're very important. So in 2010, The Guardian called So Solid Crew the most important brand in British urban music and claimed that they changed the course of British pop music in the late 90s. Um, in fact, in a few paragraphs, the Guardian gave So Solid Crew the title that we pretty much gave Derek B. Um, I'll read the direct quote. They said, And So Solid didn't change the course of British pop by embracing comfort. That's 
that the better part of a decade ago, Mega Man took a bewildering number of rappers, singers, producers, and DJs on a wild ride from a Battersea estate to the top of the charts. In 2001, So Solid Crew's first bona fide single, 21 Seconds, crash landed at number one. Its combination of clever concept, breakneck pace, and minimal production, coupled with a memorably high gloss video, which is the video's banger, made So Solid Crew a household name and helped turn rap rooted UK music into a viable commercial force. So, you know, The Guardian's pretty much saying there that they created a lane for you know commercial artists in this in this subgenre and and they were incredibly important so the article then goes on to list all the ways in which the group expanded out into british pop music oxide and neutrino obviously romeo ashadi's acting career lisa mafia of course now a quick look at their confirmed members list on wikipedia very daunting um not just for its length but for how many narratives ran out of this collective? But the influence is impossible to debate. I really do feel that way. Mega Man explained to The Guardian they were the first UK garage crew to go number one, and their success was such that the label were financially supporting so solid crew members who weren't even signed to the label because Mega Man bullied them into doing it by threatening to walk, like literally just buying things for random acquaintances. So that's the level that they were at, like... It's hard to look back now and see, you know, you look on uh, Spotify and they've got 250,000 monthly listeners and you might think, well, you know, how influential could they have been? But bro, once we get to the end of this episode, the fact that they scaled the heights they did commercially from where they came from and the way that they approached it and the way that they did it had never been done before. It was entirely unique and it was fucking unbelievable. So there was only one entry requirement to the group. You had to come from the same pocket of Battersea as the rest of the group. But again, this was no guarantee that you'd actually get on a song. Lisa Mafia explained that real estate on a So Solid crew was so highly sought after that if your verse wasn't good enough, you just would not make the song. I mean, you know, we know that from Wu-Tang, for example, where if your verse wasn't good enough, you just weren't making the song. That's just the way it was. So Mega Man was a mastermind behind the operation, and it was a work of artists like Oxide and Neutrino who first introduced So Solid Crew as a collective into the mainstream. There was a core group of key members has emerged out of the 30 or so confirmed participants. There was a lot of people surrounding So Solid Crew. So during their teens, Romeo, Mega Man, and Lisa Mafia began formally working together, performing occasionally for up to 2,000 people, according to Romeo. So they had that like live performance skill early when they were in their teens. Asher D was obviously an actor. G-Man, who was engaged to Lisa Mafia, crowned the crew as his family in the early days. Harvey was recruited by Chelsea at age 11. and was actually semi-pro at Barnett for four years before deciding to go with the crew. But ultimately, the vast majority of the crew had just grown up together, most coming from a single housing complex at Clapham Junction. And the family feel of the crew is so cemented that Lisa Mafia's four-year-old daughter actually delivered the intro to their breakout track. So just it feels like a big family collective but it was Mega Man who was a driving creative and physical force in the group so while he was spending time in prison for attempted murder a charge which he was eventually acquitted on he decided to make a change and when he was released he decided So Solid Crew was going to become more than just a loose collective of creative friends it was going to become a musical reality and then they just went and did it themselves rather than traditional record a demo shop it try to get signed They relied on their huge roster of members to put in proper grind. They created their own record labels, did their own promotions. They even created their own pirate radio station. That's like, you know, they they just did it from the ground up. Mega Man told an interviewer, 
the only reason we started doing our own promotions was we was just on the radio emceeing and we were going up to promoters saying, yeah, man, so solid, boom, boom. We got some cold MCs, some cold DJs, but they weren't interested. So we came out with no choice. We wanted to get off the street. It was time to invest in something proper. So Mega Man went even further in the same interview saying the only thing he thanks the industry for is not helping them. He said that that meant their independence was impossible to avoid, but allow them to truly create the music they wanted to. And genuinely, you know, that is a blessing in disguise when we actually talk about the music and the influence they had, because not being influenced by what was successful, what was going to chart, that meant that they created their own lane and created a new commercial lane for artists like them. And they couldn't have done that on a major label, I don't believe. In retrospective interviews with members, the group are very proud of what they achieved, uh, even if it was criticized by plenty of people um, it didn't really turn out to have real longevity for them as a collective commercially and we'll talk about that when we get to their second album um, but you know I, I think that that likely comes from the wild array of sounds they were able to explore because of their independence that pride I mean like in terms of the, the pride that they had for the lane that they created it wasn't just that they were able to create a lane for people doing garage and drum and bass they could just do whatever the fuck they wanted, man. Um, and it wasn't always in the production, but the vocal performances and the inspirations behind it created an incredibly diverse mix of sounds. Um, it was it was wild. And, and, you know, multiple people have likened them to Wu-Tang, Mega Man providing the RZA-like levels of calm organization. The way that Mega Man is described reminds me a lot of uh, the person who wrote the, um, the forward in the Tao of Wu with RZA. So he wrote that, that Rizzo was calm, in total control, and at one with the people around him. And that's how Mega Man is described in interviews and in uh, retrospectives. Um, just that he was just a calm person who just pulled everyone into a vision. And that's what you have to do when you have such a massive group of you know, people who are going in such diversity. You've got a semi-pro soccer player, you've got an actor. You've got people with families. Like That's a massive amount of... And you know, Lisa Mafia was said in later years, they were all kids at the time. Like, they were all so young, they just hadn't grown up yet. You know, she said most of them were still living with their parents or living with girlfriends. Like, so for Mega Man to pull them all together and do this, I think, you know, that's incredible. Now, their first taste of chart success was via Oxide and Neutrino, who released the uh, song Bound for the Reload in 2000 and actually went to number one on the UK chart. And their follow up single, No Good for Me, also featured three other So Solid crew members Mega Man, Romeo, and Lisa Mafia. And it was charting in Ireland and Scotland as well, as well, and it pushed them into the spotlight. And whilst they may not have had the chart longevity, their influence extended way beyond the creation of a new niche subgenre. During their profile in the face, they speak in depth about how important So Solid Crew were for the people in their community. During the photo shoot for the piece, there were 40 people in attendance, members, family, affiliates. It was a massive group. And Neutrino said, it's the younger generation that's following us. We're kind of leaders to them role models the older old old people they don't understand none of it when i was at the airport the other day signing loads of autograph for kids all the parents were like who's that is he famous so we're mainly known by the younger generation they understand what we're going through certain things on the streets in life and we know what it's like and they can relate 
Um, and they actually interviewed two kids. So this was a profile piece done at the time that they were blowing up. Uh, and the two kids, one was 11, one was eight. And they began DJing two years prior purely because of So Solid Crew's influence. And they even played live at, King, at a gig in King's Cross when they were that age, which is wild. Um, and they're still around, like they're still in the industry. That's how important that was, you know, that family feel to just bring people along and give people an avenue to make money, an avenue for success, you know, an avenue where they could be successful in in the musical industry or, you know, in acting or whatever direction they wanted to go. It was incredibly important. Um, and then, of course, they dropped 21 Seconds, which, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about their come up, Charlie, before we jump into the song, but when that shit hit, man, everything changed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not much to say on just uh, how... Uh, how iconic that song is, um, but yeah, I think the the growth is interesting, and I I can I can see the I can imagine um, Wu Tang fanboys just like scoffing and it's like Wu Tang not at all, yeah. But you know, the, it's not it's not the clearest of comparisons, obviously, and I think we can all agree on that. But is it's interesting, you know, in terms of obviously the amount of people. Um, that were just uh, that just linked up and did it, and also that nature of you know if your sh- if your if your bars are whack then you ain't getting in, um, and you know that's obviously I th- I feel like that is a very obvious thing to just have where you don't you, where you don't want to be that uh, you want to be meritocratic and not democratic on that phone where it's like you know we want the best out of it. Um, you know, we don't just want any anybody to just drop everything, and you know, it has to be some you know quality control. And uh, you know, I respect Mega Man for even you know just you know outright saying that because um, I feel like it's just a, it's a it's a necessary it's a necessary thing I believe anyway when you're uh, when you're working in a group of that nature. Um, you just don't want you don't want everything. You just want what's good. Um, but yeah, I love the. Um, I love the uh, yeah no pun intended on that one uh, but yeah uh, it's it's really good just to have um, the amount of people that can hey man the amount of groups we've covered <laughs> and somebody's pissed off <laughs> the amount of groups we've covered and somebody's absolutely fucked off uh, and they're, they're just not about it they hate everything about it it's like oh fuck those a lot can't be fuck don't fuck with those people no more and the group breaks up for whatever reason um and you know while this group spoiler alert kind of just fizzled out um they man they got they got some bangers out of it <laughs> they got some icons out of it so um and uh you know and and they made oh, i mean i don't know the future of Ed, the 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 current position of every single member so uh, at the moment but you know Majority of them seem fine. Um, you know, I see him about now and again. Um, obviously, we talked about Top Boy and uh, Ashley Waters in that, um, and that's just one. But yeah, you know, it's 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 good to it's good that at least um, the, the people that speak about it speak about it highly and speak about it positively because you know there's a lot of groups where um, people just have no good things to say about whatever, um, or it's, whether it be a specific person within the group or whatever. Um, even Wu Tang, even Wu Tang had that. So you know, Definitely. nothing's ever perfect. But yeah, man, it's cool. It's cool that it's cool that it's all good on that front. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, then they dropped twenty one seconds. So twenty one seconds is wild. Um, 
eight versus eight rappers. We get introduced to 10 major members on the track. Uh, the premise is each rapper gets 21 seconds to spit their verse. So they divided the length of the song by how many people they wanted on there and just rap about whatever the fuck you want. Every single rapper on this track is different. Mega Man was my favorite verse. I just really like a monotone delivery over dancey production. It just, to me, I don't know why, it just hits so fucking hard. Asher D looks like the star he is. Like, I feel like he looks famous. Kaish on the hook is just fucking immense. In the video, he's wearing like an open shirt and these weird contacts that make his eyes look like mad alien. He's absolutely, to me, the most engaging artist in the video. I actually miss him when he leaves. <laughs> like, I'm like, where'd he go? Come back. Like, um, and you know, as each rapper delivers their verse, they stick around for the next. So they're like dancing, hyping them up. So the video has this crazy quality where like, you're literally watching So Solid Crew grow in front of your eyes. Like, Scat D comes in on a fucking helicopter. Like, that shit. I almost fell out of my chair, man. Like, I was a little bit stoned. I'm like, oh, a helicopter. Oh, this can't get any better, man. And it hit, man. It the most went... 2000s last video. It was so 2000s, bro. Like, the, just the effects they had. It was hilarious. It looks like a Master P album cover in video form. It was just so good. So, like... It went number one, man. It went number one on the UK single charts, number 11 on Europe's Hot 100, number nine in Scotland. Um, it charted in Australia at number 59, which was the only country outside of Europe it charted in. Platinum in the UK, and it was number 19 on the year-end UK chart. And it's not just the audacity of it. You know, it's everything. In an era where hip-hop videos were hyper-focused on hyper-consumerism, you know, we've done episodes in this podcast commenting on how lavish videos were at that time. You know, this is the era of the million-dollar video. This is the era of the big pimpin', you know, MTV following Jay-Z around in the boat and, like, just, like, just straight up. And this was the opposite. You know, this was... This was just not that at all. Um, and it was just so stark. Like, when I was younger, all I used to do was watch music videos. All I used to do was watch music videos from, like, the ages of 14 to 17, 18. I just sat and watched MTV, Channel V, all this shit. So if a video like that, I never saw this video, it didn't come on when I was... It might have been a, a touch before my time. But if I saw something like this come on, bro... Like, it would have blown my fucking mind because I was used to watching, like, 03 Bonnie and Clyde, you know? Like, they're driving around in, like, the really expensive Aston Martin. Like, that's what I was used to. So, yeah, it was special. It was really special. And in the end, it didn't really matter what they were rapping. It was the novelty of having eight rappers on a five-minute song and that it charted number one. It was enough to carry So Solid Crew's legacy into eternity but naturally, the song definitely scared people. It was designed to. And the more popular it became, the more scared people became. The Faces piece speaks on the initial backlash when the group came out, saying, it's quite a long quote, but I do think it's a good way to summarize the situation. I'll read it out in full. Not everyone thinks so solid are good for the kids. Remember, this came out at the time of the of everything. So this is when they were blowing up. Not everyone thinks so solid are good for the kids or even for the rest of us. According to one source, during the run-up to the weekend, uh, 21 Seconds was released, there were concerned discussions at CDUK, which is such a dated reference. Uh, is CDUK still a thing? Surely not. No, it can't. CDs, I think so. CDs aren't a thing. Bro, that's the most dated reference. Yeah, CDs there's a there's a there's a Mike Skinner lyric about it too. Um, but yeah, I'll continue. There were concerned discussions at CD UK over whether So Solid performing on the Saturday morning chart show would be seen to encourage violence. The same backdrop of violence has led to paint some 
uh, has led some to paint So Solid as a nasty enterprise. Alongside Mega Man's incarceration interlude, Asher D is scheduled to appear at the Old Bailey on firearm possession charges and making threats to kill. Gun charges also hang over Neutrino. Then there's Harvey who got into an argument and ended up on the receiving end of a blade. Um, between them, Asher and Harvey have 29 stitches from being assaulted. So Solid don't attempt to hide these incidents or hype them up or talk them down. They'll simply point out that if you've grown up on the streets or done the rounds on the garage rave circuit, areas of which have become increasingly hostile and tense over the last 18 months, you understand that these things happen. And of course, and I, this is me talking now, that that's the end of the quote, anyone with two brain cells to rub together will wholly understand and recognize why these stories should be shared, not dismissed or banned. The younger generation did understand this, and So Solid Crew were never in any danger of pulling up before their run began over the lyrics or the stories behind them because they were telling the stories of so many kids growing up under these conditions, and those kids had no intention of listening to anyone who told them to boycott the group, you know. That's what I never understand about establishment and conservatives they're like don't listen to this bro that is just gonna make people go listen to it because they don't like you like they're gonna do the exact opposite of what you say um i'll read another section from the face that i think highlights this well by the time 21 seconds was gearing up for release stickers and posters offering a logo to download were wallpapered across rave banner hotspots in london the midlands even outside chessington world of adventures the outcome was 26,000 kids texted the word heavy for the privilege of walking around with so solid scrawled across their phone screens. Like that's wild, man. That's early 2000s marketing right there. And it actually, be, the, the song became the first UK garage track to hit number one on the UK singles chart, sold a staggering 118,000 copies in its first week in the UK for a single. That would be the ninth highest yeah. first week for an album in the US this year. Like 118,000 <laughs> yeah. people went out and bought that song in its first week. And this was pre-iTunes. Yeah. This was, yeah, bro, yeah, these yeah. were yeah. CD platinum, singles. Yeah, platinum me- meant something back then. It you know fucking I mean? did, like, especially for a single. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Can I read you, the, can I read you the, other, the other platinum singles for that year? Go, yeah. It's an amazing uh, I can't wait. songs. Um, so... 21 seconds, obviously, in August 2001. Um, Daniel Bedingfield's got to go through this. Another oh, one I yeah. mentioned. I did mention the streets, by the way, in terms of garage history. Um, I think the streets are very important. New yes. album coming soon, hopefully. Um, yeah, can't the wait. Um, Clint Eastwood, Gorillaz, uh, March 2001. Banger. Uh, Train, uh, Drops of Jupiter. Oh, um, banger. Before you're going to huck something out there. Oh, uh, Afro Man's because I got high. Oh, um, outstanding! Classic. Um, the the calling wherever you will go, and lastly, um, <laughs> lastly, uh, Christina Aguilera, Lil Kim, Maya, Pink, and Missy Elliott, Lady Marmalade. Oh. <laughs> Classic man, jam, absolute fucking jam. Um, but yeah, yes, yeah, so that's 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 only that year, just that one year. Only those um, that went one. Obviously, there's 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 more on this Wikipedia here that has um, you know two times, seven times platinum. So I'm sure there's other songs around that time. But uh, yeah, that was the only ones, only ones that went uh, one. And that's that's a good that's a good set. That's a good set right there for that year. That's so wild. That's, that's, that's telling you how how like big that was that track was. Like you know just Brilliant. just for 
you know those other tracks because I remember I remember Clint Eastwood being about for a while like just that music video alone just you know that that did a lot and um, you know I think this is also just a minor tangent I feel like this is a time where even whilst we don't see uh, while, while we don't me- see most of the music videos back then in the best light in terms of just you know quality in- <laughs> actually looking at it it's just some of them are just jarring to look at these days um they meant a lot, like, they carried a lot of weight, like, you know, if you watch a music video, you're going to spin, the, you're going to buy the track, that's the only way, obviously, you could, apart from radio, that's the only part, that's the only reason you'd actually get the CD or whatever, like, obviously, you know, it's, it's actually crazy how I think little music videos mean to the bottom line now, if that makes any sense, um, you know, fans obviously always want a music video of, of things, but... I don't know. I don't know the last music video I've actually went. You know what? I want to see that music video. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've just never. I've. Just, I never. I don't get gassed by music videos like that um, anymore. Like I get gassed by albums and the actual works. So I'm not that too much of a dickhead. But um, yeah, it's the, you know, music videos obviously meant something in the 2000s and obviously the years before, the decades before that. But um, it's kind of it, it. It. Just thinking about it there, I just wanted to say like you know just. I feel like it the, the the meaning of music videos have just severely just dipped. <laughs> yeah, they have. I actually watched um a little bit of the the Yachty and Drake music video yesterday and I enjoyed it. Like with Cole Bennett, um I thought it was really nice, but again, it's so weird that something that was so essential to me for like four years or five years of my life watching music videos, that's how I got my music, you know, because in oh, yeah, Australia same, the same, yeah. In Australia, the mainstream uh, radio stations, they didn't play stuff like this. They played just like pub rock in Australia. And if they were going to play rap, they just played Eminem and that's it. So to actually sit down and watch MTV and Channel V and get to see these kind of videos, like that's how I discovered artists, you know. I discovered Roots Maneuver that's, that way. Like he was – one of his videos might have been uh, – I can't even remember now, but it popped up and I was like, fuck, this is amazing. Like that's that's rare. That's how I discovered Dizzy. Dizzy was on, you know, so it was it was huge. It was really huge for them to have a video like that that was so ubiquitous, but was just so exciting. It was just so cool. It was the antithesis of everything that was going on. So then they got their album. We got their album. They don't know. Um, it's a wild fucking ride, bro. I adore this album. It's fascinating to me because it sounds so much like the electro pop rap of the late 2000s and early 2010s, but it came out in 2001. I do feel like its influence extended far beyond the UK because I think it's an updated version of the tracks that were charting in the UK back in the 80s. And I don't mean to talk about, you know, garage, drum and bass. I'm not talking about that at all. This is just from a completely outsider's perspective, someone who doesn't have first-hand knowledge with this. It just felt like dancey BPMs with rappers spitting over the top and it felt like, it felt good. I don't know why, it just felt good. It felt so much different to everything that was charting at the time. Released independently, it went number six on the UK charts, certified platinum. And when the album came out, a lot of people were comparing them to the Sex Pistols because of their unabashed adherence to a stereotype, which was entirely authentic. Their stereotype was entirely authentic, and the stereotype was something that conservative people gave them. You know, there's an entire, I'll, I'll explain that. There was an entire piece in uh, from 2020 in The Quietus comparing their debut album to the Sex Pistols. So 
Punk is a blind spot in my knowledge. Um, I do understand the basics and have spent a great deal of time listening to it, but the movement itself is not something I've researched, but it was hugely influential and deeply important, not just to the development of mainstream music, but in changing societal attitudes in general. But still, in 2022, there was an article in the New York Times titled, How a TV Series Undersells All the Dangers of the Sex Pistols, written by Simon Reynolds, and full of the exact type of rigidity the Sex Pistols were railing against. They were anti-establishment in a far more overt way than the Beatles, for example, although John Lennon did pick that up in the late 70s and early 80s. And in that, I do see the comparisons between So Solid Crew and the Sex Pistols because there's a reckless abandon in the way So Solid Crew go about creating their music in the sense that it's entirely uninterested in convention or taste or what has come before or what may come after. It's the moment that the song is created and in a landscape of pop music that was at the time I felt either taking itself far too seriously, which is pretty much everything from the 1980s except for Devo, or just recreating the same thing endlessly until something remotely new comes along, which is pretty much the entire 1990s. You know, look, I love pop music from the 80s and 90s, but it had lost that that fun of the 60s. It really had. It had lost that abandon. I think the 70s were far too serious and the 80s were far too serious. And we just didn't get anything like really just completely out there. And So Solid Crew, I feel like on this album, brought it back in a big way. That's just how I've personally, that's how the album made me feel. And I do truly think it was influential through the years because if you look at a track like TikTok by Kesha or G6 by Far East Party Movement, what Black Eyed Peas were able to do in the late 2000s even, although I do think Will I Am was entirely genuine and serious in all the songs, which is a scary thought to process. But if you look at that, um, I do think that, you know, if you listen to Cash's TikTok, it's like they know that they're not being super serious, but they are super serious in the sense that they're just not trying to adhere to any convention or do another pop song or like hit the charts. They're just creating, man. They're just creating whatever the fuck they want. And I really like that. It's not a joke or a parody album at all. Within it are some of the most essential stories from 90s UK, oppression, poverty, struggle. The sense of community on the album, I feel, only serves to further push the message of the album, which is pushing back. And I think that's where the punk references come in really strongly. It's not just a retelling of their unique stories. It is by nature anti-establishment in numerous different ways, lyrically, sonically, even in execution with no major labels, no demos, no shopping. They did it all themselves. And I think it remains special. And it's just, it is a great album to listen to, man. It slaps front to back. It goes hard. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I think um, from an independent standpoint, I feel feel like you know this is a very important um, piece of work, um, just overall um, in in all the ways you mentioned. Um, I, th- I find the the punk. I'm, I was trying to mull over the punk rock stuff, uh, the comparisons that you're talking about, and you know, I could, while my knowledge is also very limited, um, I can I can understand you know just from the anti-establishment end of things. Um, why that comparison was made and i think there's a excuse me i think there's a fair um a fair a fair a fair comparison there um i think the minor difference um and is you know comparing it to the sex pistol specifically um there's a big difference in one in in one way for for both of these uh, groups and that is race 
And I feel, you know, when you listen to stuff like Haters um, and Friend of Mine, I think you get that a lot where they, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're feeling or they're sounding, you know, just, you know, we did it. And, you know, we, we, we're, we're doing it with, you know, with you just constantly chatting shit and, you know, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't nothing, right? You know, classic, just, you know, shout out to the haters kind of, kind of songs, right? Um, and that's on the surface, but I feel like Deeper, you know, making that comparison, I feel like there's something there um, where racially, um, I don't think, you know, like you said, 21 seconds, the first garage track to go number one. I mentioned a lot of them. None of them went number one. A lot of them went number five, number two even, right? They didn't crack that number one. And obviously, you know, we don't care about charts like that um, in, in on this pod. But see, from a from a um, from a symbolism standpoint, number one means a lot. Yeah, and and number one meant a lot, um, especially back then, and obviously it still does for us, um, majority of them anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, to have that to have that go number one, to have the album itself. Um, go top 10 as a fully independent piece of work um, is nothing short sublime. Um, I appreciate the freeness of this album overall. Um, there's a lot... <laughs> I raised my eyebrows uh, when you were saying, like, they, you know, they just uh, shirked convention, and I'm just like, oh, did they? Oh, were they just doing shit just to do it? I swear, like, this is so many times I'm just like... Okay, so the song ended. Oh no, it's another three minutes. Okay, um, sure. <laughs> it's just right. so very confusing sometimes. It's, they just they just did it, man. It's just, it's so funny to me. Um, but yeah, even you know, even when I you know when I listen to, um, when I listen to like more contemporary works, not of this energetic nature or anything like that. Um, you know, depend genre. Um, not even not even talking about that um, genre aside, you know when I talk when I think about artists that have come out now, you know even independent ones, right? Um, they still go, I think, by certain models um, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they just they learned it. Maybe they did like some music business thing on YouTube University. You know, what I mean so- something like that, and they just go and they just swear by it, right? And that's cool. Um, and while I respect the artists still, you know, there's plenty of them independently that I completely love um, and will um, happily, you know, throw a torch on for hoping they blow up and actually get the recognition they deserve. Um, there are times where I, where I listen to them and while they don't all sound the same, so to speak, they do do the same formulas um, of methods of dropping or... Uh, how they how they go about uh, marketing it, etc., etc. Um, this this doesn't really have to do with much of anything apart from the fact that you know, so solid just literally, like you said, shirked pretty much every convention, <laughs> and and you know, I I can understand why you know it it there's a reason why not many people do it because it probably rarely works. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have just dropped shit and it goes triple cardboard and we never hear from them. Um, but obviously, in this case, it was a very, a very specific case of lightning in a bottle, um, and you know the, the big ups to them for even achieving it. Um, you know, it's this the it's the exception to the rule, I guess, um, as as an album and as a and as a group, um, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of points um, where you know I'm, I'm 
I'm obviously like, yeah, you know, you can end the song now. It's fine. I, I, you know, you, you can end the song. It's okay. You can go to the next track. It's fine. Um, because this is this does um, go for a whopping one hour sixteen minutes. Uh, sorry, sixteen minutes and fifty five seconds. Um, so you know, it's not exactly a, a, um, um, a breezy album to go front to back with. But the thing, um, but of, I do the think thing about it, bro, though, like that, that just that's so yeah. seventy seven minutes. 80 minutes was a CD. You could only get 80 minutes of music on a CD. So that's like so early 2000s. Like yeah. every CD yeah, I ever se- burned seems, yeah, had seems 79 minutes. There. Like I love it. Yeah, the- <laughs> it's a time capsule. There seems to be a, mi- a minor bit of intention there in terms of just, oh, we have that much? Oh, right. Well, fuck it. Let's just fill it up. <laughs> Let's fill up yeah. our stuff as can. And that's fine. You know, that's cool. Um, I love Envy, um, the uh, They Don't Know Vocal Remix, really love that, um, that's a really good track for me personally. Um, I love Woe, um, just just, just for the, uh, I, I, I really want to hear that live, I know I probably never will in my lifetime, but I just it just seems like one of those tracks where I'm just like, oh god, this would slap live, fuck, it's just so... It's it's such a it's such a boiler room track. I just wanna I just I just really wanna hear it just somewhere, uh, somewhere live. Um, in in a sense, but yeah, man, there's some there's some uh, there's some gems in here. Apart from twenty one seconds, uh, there are some good deep cuts in here. Um, but yeah, man, I think the 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 hail up to make for it is just the fact that, like you said, they just really said convention. What convention? And just uh, did did whatever felt necessary <laughs> in terms of making the music absolutely and then we get second verse um and so i think you know this is what happened to so solid crew in this time uh it kind of makes me think about wu-tang and just how rizza kept such a huge collective of artists together for multiple albums like it's it's incredibly difficult to do unfortunately so Solid Crew were unable to maintain their movement because there was a lot of moving parts and, you know, a lot of them were moving in different directions. I, I never saw So Solid Crew now that I'm, like, researching them. It never seemed like they were going to be, you know, RZA level of, like, this is a brand, this is going to live for eternity. You know, it felt like they were creating in the moment and second verse came and it's just as good, man. I enjoy it a lot. I really do enjoy it, uh, but it did not do as well. And I'll talk about that. Um, There was a Guardian article from 2014. I'll read this section, this quote. So they're talking about the fall and and what really happened around this time because this album went number 70 on the UK chart after going number six on their previous. They had one top 10 single um, and then, yeah, it just petered out after this. So the Guardian wrote, Violence dogged the crew's steps and a shooting in the crowd at Romeo's 21st birthday party at the Astoria in London resulted in a virtual nationwide ban on live performance, which is fucking wild when you think about it. A second album in 2003 flopped. Lisa Mafia and Harvey made more reality TV shows than pop videos. Neutrino gave up music and started playing rugby instead. DJ Swiss wrote a book. One crew member ended up in court after breaking a female fan's jaw. Another went to prison for murder, and for 18 months, Mega Man was jailed on remand on an accessory to murder charge that took three trials to resolve in the end. So not all of this occurred at the time of the second album, of course, but I do think it really serves to highlight what happened to the group because, as I said, this album went number 70 on the UK chart, and their momentum was was gone. Broken Silence did go to number 9 on the UK single chart, and Wikipedia actually says, makes the bold claim, I have not checked this, I did do a little bit of Googling last night to 
see, um, and I would need more time to check if this is 100% true. Uh, it was the, f- the the only known top 40 single with the word institutionalized in it, um, which is very fascinating. Maybe in 2003, that was a new concept to mainstream music. I'm not sure. But yeah, that, I found that interesting. But it was stacked with socially conscious messaging, that track. And the album never felt anything other than lightning in a bottle. You know, you can hear those nights on pirate radio and everything they do from their first mixtape to their final album. They know how to keep energy at a peak level. Yet the music is so cleanly put together. You know, I could do anything to that. I was listening to this whilst I was writing this podcast. I was listening to it whilst I was working out. I was listening to it in the car. Like it it transcends, it goes into different directions, it, it works in different settings. And you know, that was it really, like, I, it, it's kind of, because it's so high energy to to have their career cut off at that point, it's like, oh, but I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know, it does not definitely doesn't feel like a final album, this one, to me. Yeah, um, I'm very conflicted with this album. Um, I feel that a lot of what was positive about uh, the first album kind of just went with the second. Um, I feel that there was a lot of catering to US sound, um, especially production-wise when it came to this album. Um, It felt very shiny um, and not in a good way. Um, While I would respect the fact that Lyrically, it's it's pretty much, you know, similar. Um, I just think production-wise, it kind of just goes to a place that I wasn't really... And this is the first time I've listened to this second album. Um, And it was just, uh, yeah, it kind of just blew me away in in a negative because I was just um, just like, where the fuck's the garage gone? (laughs) Why why does it just sound like US R&B and... uh, I don't know, just like West Coastisms in places. I don't know. It's just really weird. It was just a really, really odd album to listen to where it was trying to do one thing, but it was doing another thing completely different. And it just did not hit for me. Um, I will say, you know, stuff like So Grimy um, kind of worked, I guess. And I, I, with that particular track, I see where they were going. Um, but to... I just don't think they succeeded in spreading that across the entire album. Um, they do get, I think, a little bit... Um, I mean, via this um, uh, three-star Guardian uh, Guardian review uh, from the time, um, they're actually banned from playing live in the UK. I don't know if you've mentioned that yet, but um, uh, but yeah, they were... Yeah, th- so, you know, being banned and you playing live is crazy and... Uh, and while we can't, while we haven't got uh, the tabloids at the time talking about them, like while we haven't gotten the, gotten the piece uh, paper clippings um, of that time, I can imagine what was being said um, because they do the exact same thing to drill artists now, um, especially when you know um, there's members being imprisoned over gun possession. Right? It's just is it is what it is. Tabloids gonna tabloid, right? Um, but yeah, I just, uh, overall, I just think, I, f- I think the production just, uh, really threw me off. Um, you know, I really, I respect stuff like No Love, um, which, uh, mentions at the end, uh, Damilo Taylor, um, No Relation, Damilo Taylor, for those that don't know, is, um, a 10 year old, um, that was killed, uh, in 2000, November 2000, um, and is 
basically one of the most high profile killings in the UK in, in you know in this century. Um and yeah, just killed by two brothers who were twelve and thirteen and they were sent uh to jail convicted of manslaughter in two thousand six. Um but yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of subject matter which I respect on this album. Um, you know, some a form of maturity on that front. Um but yeah, I just don't know what the hell was going on with that production. I just it just really uh, it, there was a lot of ca- I don't know I don't know if they were just like you know gas that they may may had a chance to bust through to the, go to the US, um, which I'm sure a lot of UK acts you know always love the idea of doing, um, but not to the point where you base your whole album second uh, second album's production on. I feel like that's a bit of a that was a bit. That was a bit of a, a bit of an L on that front, uh, but you know, it, yeah, it, it it gets better in some ways, but it just um, deviates in a lot of ways, which I just I just wasn't really feeling. Yeah, that's fair. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I don't know. I just I don't know. I did, I felt that way. I did feel a little bit like that, but I don't know. It just it, it still had the You're too Americanized, Ben. I'm just too, yeah, you know me. Well, you know because what I'm it like, sounds bro. like the music of your youth. That's why it sounds like. It sounds like Trackmasters, so I'm in. Like, I'm like, this is early two. It doesn't sound like Trackmasters. You know what like I mean? Anything, <laughs> anything early two thousands production in hip hop for some Literally, reason. I, was just, I, was, I forgot which track it was. My sister, one of them. I was just like, I feel like Ben would love this if Memphis Bleak or some shit was on it. I was just like, yeah, you know man. I mean? That's generally the case. Uh, yeah. Plant to plant any two thousand uh, ten. Any mid-tier 2000s US rapper on one of those tracks, and I guarantee it would have, would have hey, gone somewhere. Hey, relax, bro. Don't call Memphis Bleak mid-tier. That's just... <laughs> I didn't call Memphis Bleak mid-tier. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I moved on to the next thing, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that was it. That Memphis, was kind of it. Memphis semicolon mid-tier, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's a pass. Yeah, man, that was it. They they did they did reform in 2010s. Uh, Mega Man felt like it was time to get back into it. Neutrino actually told the Guardian that Garage was making a resurgence in the live scene around 2010. He and Oxide were being booked for more shows. Uh, Lisa Mafia told the Guardian that she believes in second chances, which I thought was a really interesting statement. I'm going to read her quote because I thought that was quite interesting and just gives a bit of retrospective look at the feeling around the group at the time when they were blowing up. She says. We're grown now. We were really young, 18 to 19, when we first started out. Not to say that ex- that excuses some of the mistakes that they made, but at the time, having all that money and power within the music industry and having all that fame and being put on a pedestal, that went to children's heads. I'm pleased it's been so long in some ways because now we can really prove our point that we're musicians, we love music, and this is what we do. And that was interesting. I thought that was an interesting perspective. Um, They did tour together in 2013, but we haven't gotten an album since. You know, most of the core group members have broken up into different roles in in the industry. Ash D, of course, playing Shane in Top Boy. Um, And yeah, man, uh, look, I, I, I like those two albums. I think that they were incredibly influential. And, you know, I hadn't really heard of so solid crew i had heard of them but i didn't really have any concept of them until this out this this episode and i'm glad i've learned about them because uh pivotal figures man and i'm, I'm glad i can go back and listen to that debut album in 21 seconds because 21 seconds will just it's a timeless song to me it really is yeah it's a it's it's a very um it's 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 a very idyllic track in how it is and how how it represents, I think, 
garage at that time because a lot of the bars, even on 21 Seconds, are just like <laughs> kind of childish, I guess. I forgot, uh, I forgot, um, yeah, M to, M to the E to the C, that's me. And like, it's just, it's, it's childish. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, so, it's so childish. And it's like, um, yeah, it's, and, but it's but it's fun that way. It's it's it makes it so fun trying to trying to do all the voices and uh, trying to uh, trying to hit all the fun notes and just uh, yeah man, it's just a really good freaking track. Like um, and I'm glad they're not one hit wonders off that. Honestly, um, they easily could have been, um, but you know there are some gems within the within the first album um, and maybe and maybe uh, so grimy one but um yeah man definitely the 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 influence primarily um is definitely the things the, the the thing that needs to be hailed here as um you know when you think of garage you think of so solid crew and you know while i can name other tracks um and maybe other artists i feel like you know people would say so solid first and for a genre that influential um that's a good that's a that's a big dub in my eyes so absolutely fully agree all right we shall leave it there and hop into a light note if you have anything ben i do actually have a bit of a lighter note so Top of the league. oh wait well as of a few hours ago but yeah oh did did i didn't even see the man city win against or they draw someone won okay good thank you for telling me that because i don't want to I want to go watch it this morning, but yeah, man, top of the league. No, I mean that that's great, but it's expected. It's Tottenham. We're the best team in the world. So what? Is, like poor old <laughs> poor old Mbappe is getting rinsed four one in the the Champions League, and he's sitting there like, oh man, wish I was I over at Tottenham. New, Newcastle, Newcastle were doing it too fast, man. They're, they're they're doing the formula too fast. It took like five years for Man City to actually get a hold of you know getting all that money and actually dominating. Like yep. Newcastle were doing it too early, man. They can't be waxing off Mbappe in their own ends. Like that was probably that was the first wild. time Mbappe's even heard of Newcastle, and yeah. he's getting whapped by him. Like he he's like, have, firstly, he what country so is Newcastle? <laughs> he's, he's like, like where the fuck is Newcastle, bro? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, and after in... one, embarrassing. Newcastle didn't just go out and buy like every single player either, and they, they got Eddie Howe. Yeah, they, they didn't go and get Conte. They didn't even done the Conte shit. Yeah, they just bought love Isak, it. and that's it. And Trippier, like they, they just bought some decent <laughs> players. They didn't even go and buy Mbappe. They didn't. I even mean, they did get Tenali, do... but like, uh, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, fine. Still, man, no, that was that was yeah, that man, was great. They're, they're way too ahead. They're way too ahead. They need to park it back, man. They need to like get a couple of fifth places. Like, stop it. Yeah, they're just trying fucking... to win the UCL first year of like actually being on the Saudi money. That's disgusting. That'd be madness. That'd be Your madness. sports washing too fast, right? I'm I'm here for it if they're going to compete with Man City because I just I refuse to watch Man City play. Like my dad watches <laughs> it sneakily and he turns the volume down because he knows I just like turn that shit off. I don't want to see like me playing FIFA career mode in the eleventh season when I've got a budget of four point two billion and I've bought every good player <laughs> in the game. Like this is useless. Like do you know what I mean? So. That was great. Tottenham going number one was great. But then on Sunday, right, I was having a bad day and I, I ride a motorbike that's like this big cruiser, right? So it's like a big, you know, I'm sitting on there with like, you know, just a, a hoodie on and my backpack on and I pull up next to this guy 
and he's riding a ninja. Now, I don't like ninjas. I think they're silly. One of those little sports bikes where you're, like, hunched over the whole Kawasaki time. Ninja. You're just sitting, like, you know, right over. So he's sitting there. He's got his Alpine Stars on. And, you know, in my old bike, people used to race me a lot because it was very loud. This bike, no one ever attempts to race me at lights. No one ever attempts to take off because they just think it's just some big cruiser. Like, it's not fast. It's fucking fast, bro. So pull up next to this ninja, rinsed him on the first set of lights, right? And I thought, oh, maybe he didn't, maybe he wasn't trying to race. Three more times consecutively, we pulled up next to each other, the next three red lights, and I destroyed him in all th- all four in the end. And I, I don't know, man, I just felt so great at the end of it. I'm like, bro, this was the most fucking, and in the final two, right? He's next to me, looking over at me, revving his bike like, the fuck's going on? I don't know how it happened. Maybe he was really shit. Maybe he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. But I tend to take from it that my bike is the greatest fucking bike in history. And it made me feel really good about myself. So that was my validation this weekend. I beat a ninja at the lights three times in a row in a big Yamaha V-Star 1300. So, yeah, man. Maybe it's never been done before. Potentially, it's the first time it's ever been done in human history. And I did it. So, there you go. Oh gosh, need to see if there's any like uh, drag strips going down the uh, down in down in your ends, man. Potentially, oh, maybe to... this is a skill that I have that I, yeah, I don't like, know. I need to, yeah, got the reaction time down. Like, yeah, that's all you need, bro. Could be amazing. Yeah, man, you might have a might have a future there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, man, nothing much on my side. Um, just um, just Ryan. Um, I do have a interview coming in the next couple of weeks on what's good. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. Um, it's from, it's probably, uh, yeah, it's the bit, it's the big up an album coming through um, in the next couple of weeks um, by someone I've already interviewed. So that's gonna be fun to just catch up with them and uh, just to see what they're cooking. Um, I should probably give you a listen uh, before then. Um, but yeah, it's just a uh, that's, that's all I that's all I got on at the moment, uh, podcast wise. Uh, but yeah, man, continuing to cook, continuing to do things. And, uh, I don't know, find some sort of fucking fulfillment in life. I don't know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> fucking hell, bro. Anyway, Charlie's sorry, doing stuff and, and things. That's how you feel fine. I'm going to start a vegetable Just, garden. I think I think that's where okay. I'm going to get some fulfillment from life. I think I'm going right. to start a vegetable yeah. garden, yeah. Yeah, get some zucchinis in there. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah, zucchini, bro. Zucchini grows crazy. Like, I've grown a lot of zucchini before. I might grow some, <laughs> some capsicum. Um, I'm literally just trying to say the most random, fr- random vegetable and you just went like, oh, you want to talk about zucchinis, bro? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Anyone who's grown zucchini knows exactly oh. what. That shit grows out like crazy. You've got to eat so much okay. zucchini. You're just eating zucchini all the time. It's great, but like, it's a bit intense. Okay. All right. Learn something there every day. Uh, we shall leave it there. <laughs> Seriously, the amount, like, I literally just... Went through my head just trying. What's the most random vegetable I can think of? And this dude's like, "Oh, let me talk to you about zucchinis." Like, I know about like, zucchinis, man. Yeah. Trust yeah. me, man. I've got, I've got I skills. I'm 34. I've been doing shit. I'm 34. I've had to fill my time with something, and zucchini growing was a big part of that at one point. <laughs> I'll say this. All right, we'll leave it there on uh, on that one on zucchinis, uh, ladies and gentlemen. From the 5 VPN, it's been Digging Digits. I hope you this episode. I have a child for fifth element. I have a Ben Carter for Bob Numbers. Next, next week, we shall find out what other vegetables Ben likes to grow. 
Um, great. But for now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice teaser. Yeah, now you'll come back, won't you? You can. Yeah, he'll be back um, now. Yeah. It's this the bait, the cliffhanger, the fucking cliffhanger. Final episode yeah. cliffhanger. Fuck you, fuck you. Laying out that, laying out that fish right there, man. Reel it in. Reel it in. Find out next week while the while the vegetables is been like to grow. We'll find out what's on the list. We'll find out what seeds he's got in his back pocket. Can we Christians try to do the same? Until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chalk Music for the ability to use. Socials with Fenomen, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chalk Music will be in the full show notes, as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us. Wish to see you next time, continuing our UK BHM series on Digging Digits. Digging Digits.